Hello and welcome to I Hate Your Movie. I'm Dan. We never done this before. That who's who? Are yeah, we not? No. Okay. Uh, I'm Dan. And I'm Rick. I'm Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Professionals. I'm Dan. <laughs> That's staying in. Hello and welcome to I Hate Your Movie. My name is Dan. My name is Rick. And I recommended Rick Wet Hot American Summer, a movie directed by Michael Showalter and David Wayne. It's a comedy. Rick, what did you think of Wet Hot American Summer? Do you want my one-line review? Yeah, go for it. It's one step away from greatness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you liked it? I did like it. It was a good film. It was funny. Made mm-hmm. me laugh in lots of places. Yeah. And we'll get to why that's my review in a little bit. Mm. This is also a second part of a two-parter episode of us overcorrecting uh, recommendations. Yeah. Rick's high life <laughs> and me about Hot American Summer, just because not to make each other too miserable. Yep. Exactly. No, I enjoyed this. I think it was a good recommendation. I can see why we would break format and recommend films that we like to each other that's kind of the idea as well as making each other suffer through films that the other one would hate are we gonna be sued for like uh <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible name for a thing they just keep recommending films they like and they yeah. both enjoy them they just sit down and chat about how they like things don't worry we'll get to it, some movies it's my pick next and oh. and dan will not enjoy and wet hot american summer is i think is a very underrated almost like a hidden gem of a movie it bombed when it came out. Yep. It was very badly reviewed. Like everyone hated it and I just can't figure out why. <laughs> Maybe it was just a bad timing. It was it came out in 2000 something, right? 2001. It's, I mean it'd be interesting to look up when films like American Pie and all that kind of stuff uh, came yeah. out because it would be you know that but not that. Yeah, maybe it felt a bit dated at that point. Because the trend was, in 2001, was to do the gross-out American Pie kind of comedies. Freddy Got Fingered, which we'll get to <laughs> at some point. <laughs> it's one of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> Film that famously has Tom Green jacking off an elephant. Yes. A horse. No, it's an elephant. But, but there's a horse at first, and then an elephant oh. at the end. Yeah, yeah. But right. that, you need escalation in your movie, you know. <laughs> Start small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start with like a, a squirrel. I mean, you need... And work your way up to jacking off an elephant. You need like a climax. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, very, very poorly rated. Even today, it has a 38% Rotten Tomatoes score. Only a 6.5 on IMDb. I just don't get it. I really don't. I saw even like when I bought it on Blu-ray, I saw a bunch of like, oh, this film is shit reviews and it's like... I, uh, what planet do I live on? Yeah, I mean, it's not a film I don't think I would ever watch again. Oh, I really? enjoyed it, and it was fun, and it was good fun, and it had moments of greatness in it, but throughout the entire felt like something was just a bit lacking. Mm-hmm. Just the whole time, it was just like, oh, you're missing something there. I don't know what it is, but you're missing something there. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the opposite. This is like a feel-good movie for me, and I put this on in the background a lot. Okay. Cool. So the film is about a bunch of people, teenagers and camp organizers. It takes place in a summer camp. It takes place in a summer camp. All these teenagers are looking after small children 
and the camp people are all there and all the teenagers want to sleep with each other and all the camp people don't really care. Yeah, typical summer camp stuff. As the title suggests, it's a very teenage sexual movie. At least the first half an hour and then it kind of starts breaking down into <laughs> absurdist, surrealist art. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I, I, would, I wouldn't say art. It is I'm art. A, it's well, <laughs> the loosest form of art. So one of the first things that I saw in the film that I was very, very happy to see was Janine Garofalo. If I'm Janine saying. Garofalo. Garofalo, Garofalo. Garofalo. I, I prefer my way. Who is amazing. And yeah. where is she these days? Because you don't see her anywhere. No idea. She is great and she's good in this as well. Yeah. She was amazing in Mystery Men. Do you remember Mystery Men? Oh God, that's a very, that's a very old, old movie for me. But Janine Garofalo, she's very good, and she's been in lots of good things. And I wish that she was in more things. Was she in any of the reunions or anything? Yes, she is in it, and yeah. she's very funny still. Yeah, mm. yeah. Starts with her, and she meets David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, and he's. I didn't understand. So David Hyde Pierce is a fully grown man, and why is he staying in the camp? I feel like that was just outside the camp. It wasn't... Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. The location where she just walked over one house. Yeah. And it was there. He says something like, oh, I thought of getting away from the big city or something like that for a yeah. while. So I just assumed there's the campgrounds and it's just kind of open. But it's literally across the field. I know. Like she, <laughs> she looks left or right. Yeah. And there he is in yeah. like... Out his the thing is with criticizing those kind of things in this movie, you know, some of them <laughs> might be intentional. Okay. I'm not sure this is, but, you know. And then even worse, because he walks into the canteen where all the kids are. Yeah. And he just walks up to this table and I'm like, who likes science? Come here, children. <laughs> Come to the woods with me. Yeah, well, I don't know. I guess in the 80s there were panics about kidnapping and stuff. I mean, it's kind of in keeping with the rest of the film because at least one kid does die. At some oh, point, yeah. he drowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite. <laughs> Anytime a kid dies, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it would have made cocaine bear much better. Yeah. If they had died. I want to talk about my favourite recurring character, the pottery crash sound effect. <laughs> what? Don't tell me you didn't hear this. Every time someone drops something or something crashes into something, they use the same sound effect. And it's fucking hilarious. Really? Yeah, he genuinely didn't hear this. No. So, okay, so it starts in this scene, I think. And then, what's his name? David Hypers. David Hypers. He throws away, like, shears off screen. And it was like a pottery crash. Yeah. And it's now it's a famous sound effect. I think because of this movie, it's almost like on the same level of the Wilhelm scream. You know about the Wilhelm scream? No, I don't know about oh, the Wilhelm scream. We need to educate you so much. <laughs> right, so, uh, so this is that's, like, yeah. It's called the Wilhelm scream, and it's kind of like an inside joke in Hollywood. And then there's the pottery crash. So I can't believe you didn't notice this. For me, this is the most hilarious thing in the movie because they every time anything breaks, they use this fucking sound effect. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I know what a pottery crash sounds like. Well, <laughs> but it's definitely this sound effect. And the funny thing is about this sound effect is that it ruins like serious things for me now. Like uh, I played Resident Evil 8 Village. 
mm-hmm. and you have to break quite a lot of stuff in there and then you like break everything it makes that sound effect that <laughs> you're supposed to be scared as shit so yeah that pottery break sound effect i think it has probably more screen time or audio time than any other character in the movie <laughs> it's just it's everywhere no i didn't notice so i wrote down a bunch of notes yeah. as we always do while watching the film and nearly all of them come back to Susie Farris. She is the person who cast for the film. And she just had an absolute blind <laughs> She is like, she's job done. She's like done for the rest of her life. I was confused because you don't usually bring up crew. No, I don't. But I felt like this was completely and totally deserved. Yeah. She has performed a masterclass in casting. She should play the lottery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No one has done something more perfect than she accomplished for this film. Yeah. So many stars before they were stars. Bradley Cooper missed the end of his year in performing arts school okay. to do this film. Wow. Good choice to miss that shit. I remember you noticed a bunch of people. I haven't. Yeah. Uh, the guy with the mullet and the glasses, the one that chases after Jufro. Yes, so that, have you ever seen the TV series Brooklyn Nine-Nine? He's in that. He's in that, he's Charles Boyle in that, and he's this detective, this bumbly detective who is very good at his job, but he's terrible at everything in life. Okay. Yeah, I noticed, you know the guy, the Nam guy? Christopher Maloney? Yeah. I wanted to bring him up as well, because that guy has a weird fucking career. (laughs) (laughs) He started out with comedies like this. And then for a while, he was doing Law and Order SVU, <laughs> which Obviously. is like the most generic procedural. It's like NCIS kind of thing. Just any three letters. Yeah. Put them together. Yeah, yeah, a- yeah. And make a cop show out of it. <laughs> exactly. He's in one of those. And he's just playing man. Right? He's man. <laughs> <laughs> he came back to comedy, especially with the reunion specials. But he had that Netflix show called Happy as well. Yeah. Happy is pretty good. Yeah, it was. I, I loved Happy funny it was violent it was brutal it was bizarre yeah it was awesome i think he was nearly batman christopher <laughs> maloney uh, not in film but apparently in tv but the tv rights for batman is in fucking limbo so they couldn't do it yeah it had the guy who played Stuart in the big bang theory the problem is i think it's easy to say like this kind of started a lot of careers but a lot of these people were in this and then they weren't in anything else for about 10 years yeah. and then they popped up somewhere else that's like, true charles boyle i think brooklyn 99 started like 2015 mm-hmm. so there was at least a 10 year gap and between this and the start of the big bang theory probably quite a long time as well mm. But still, the point is, they're very talented people. And if anything, that makes it more impressive because she saw the Susie Farris yeah. saw their talent before anyone else did. Mm. Yeah, she should cast all the movies. She should cast all the movies. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, you get introduced to lots of different characters, lots of different like plots for the film. What did you think about the divorced teacher who gets therapeutic advice from her students that bit was funny yeah uh it gets a bit unfunny at the end mm-hmm. kind of invokes pedophilia and i don't know what they were thinking <laughs> but that's where it, it was always going could have stopped i feel like it was funny enough to have child psychologist uh, talk like an adult to the teacher i think that was one of the things in the film where they kept cutting to her and it just for me kind of ruined the pace of the film that's the arts and crafts class that's my least favorite part of the whole thing and i think because it didn't really have much to do with the rest of the plot like the rest of the film had like intersecting characters at all times like 
people in one scene would pop up in other scenes, but that was just standalone. Yeah. And it would easily be find its way to the cutting room floor. The other thing is that at the beginning, more kids were involved in the discussion as well. So I felt like it could have been like a group therapy session instead of like going towards that single kid. Let's talk about all the different plots that go. So Janine Garofalo is... Janine Giraffalo. Giraffalo. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you now. She wants to bone David Hyde Pierce. Yes. David Hyde Pierce is quite nervous about this mm-hmm. because nerd. We've got Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah. Oh. Paul Rudd, who is a dick. Yeah. Start to finish, he's just the handsome jock dick. I think best performance of the movie. Yeah. I think he steals the show completely. I feel like he has probably the least to do, but he does the most with it. Yeah. He has that uh, pick up your trash scene, which (laughs) probably would have been cut if anyone else did it. (laughs) Where he swats aside the plate he was eating, and then Janine Giraffalo comes in, (laughs) pick it up, and there's like a two-minute scene of him picking it up. Looking over to see if she's still watching. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's one of my favorite scenes he obviously is treating his girlfriend very badly mm. all she wants to do is what are you up to this evening and he's like you're smothering me babe <laughs> there's one i can't remember what she says to him but there's a bit in it where they're outside the canteen and he's like fuck you dyke yeah love you <laughs> <laughs> she says something like oh we should go out to the forest this evening <laughs> and it's just says, fuck you <laughs> It's exaggerated jock character. Yeah. The love interest for her, the nerdy, shy guy, the nice guy. Yeah, Coop. Coop. Gerald Cooperberg. We <laughs> <laughs> should talk about how everyone's secretly Jewish in this film. <laughs> and that's the joke, I guess. Yeah, there is one bit where she's on the phone and he's like, I don't know, mum. I guess she's got a big nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else we got? We got Elizabeth Banks is the one trying to steal the hot guy. She's kind of, you know, whatever. Pointless. In this movie. Yeah. Like the, all the films that she makes as well. She gets more to do in the, in the spin-off shows. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, she is very talented. Like she's very um, at acting, not directing. Well, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, tangent, stop tangenting. Sorry. What were you saying? Yeah, I know, but um, it's going to be a tangent. Feel free. You can always cut it later. You're the editor. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) On the first day of camp spin-off series, she's a journalist who (laughs) who wants to save the paper, Rock World Magazine or something like that, by going into this camp and getting the hot scoop and pretending to be (laughs) a counsellor. And it's just like complete nonsense. What else do we have? We have Afro Guy who just wants to get laid. That guy with the afro, he has a very horny girl Yes, waiting for him. There was like an ongoing thing that every time she kissed someone, she had some chewing gum. Yeah. And that was like her signal for, I'm going to make out with someone now. I think the idea was that she's extremely slutty mm-hmm. and it's enough if your mouth doesn't smell. Okay. I think that was the idea there. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So he's trying to race back to the horny girl and Mullet is trying to stop him. So they drove out into the woods because Janine Gaffa <laughs> has sent them to activity and sent them out rafting, but he didn't want to go because he wanted to sleep with the girl. And then he 
drops them all off and drives home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then crashes his car <laughs> <laughs> stupidly into a tree. It's just absurd because nothing distracts him. He's just driving yeah, along. Yeah, he's driving and he's, he's looking ahead. He's looking perfectly ahead. And he's like singing and he's just like, ah! Oh no, <laughs> tree. <laughs> there is the Christopher Maloney stuff. He's the chef of the summer camp. Yeah. And he's got kinky stuff that he keeps spilling about. Yeah, at the end of every sentence. He's yeah. like, anyway, I'm going to go hum the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> and then trying to cover it for it in stupid yeah. ways. I'm going to fondle my sweaters. <laughs> it's all this is increasingly stupider stuff as well. <laughs> David Hypers, he does this class with the nerds. Yeah. Where they talk about physics and astrophysics and stuff. And it evolves into a subplot of them discovering a broken piece of a satellite yep. called Skylab mm-hmm. and uh, he's heading towards them and they're trying to stop it as well. They do talk about that early on because when we kind of first meet him he keeps looking up at the sky oh, yeah, and yeah. saying like it may not matter tomorrow or stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. By the way all this happens in a day. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... uh, and we forgot the, probably the most important subplot um, and a very bold one for the early 2000s Bradley Cooper. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie because how it's presented mm-hmm. this is 2001 now i recognize i told you earlier in a private conversation that i notice a, a pattern emerging from the movies i recommend <laughs> which is they're in more increasingly gay every time <laughs> so uh, yeah this one has proper gay sex in it next up on <laughs> i hate your movie Brokeback mountain <laughs> this one has gay sex in it mulholland drive has lesbian sex in it and the good, bad, and the ugly has a Clint Eastwood in a gay scarf in it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how this is presented where it's 2001 and they're having sex on camera, not like it's not anything showing. You, they, just, you just see legs. You see legs and then there's things falling around them mm-hmm. and that sound effect a few times as well. <laughs> but like the gay aspect is completely treated seriously. Yeah. Other than that, they get married in a day, but everything happens in a day, so whatever. Yeah, they get married and everything's really yeah. nice about it. Yeah. And um, one of my favorite bits of the film, because his like jock friends see him getting married and they're like, oh my God, he's gay. Mm. And then they pop up in about 10 minutes later. And we've got something for you. And it turns out to be a futon. That <laughs> yeah. They bought for them as a lovely moving in present. <laughs> yeah. 2001, it would have been very easy to do the gay jokes and the mm-hmm. gay panic jokes, but it just completely subverts that. And it's really, really cool. Again, like Brokeback Mountain, everyone salivates over that movie, but it stands on the shoulders of giants like Mulholland Drive and Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer. <laughs> it's a direct line. It is. <laughs> also one of my favorite bits of the film it's a film about all of these people running a camp summer Mm. camp my favorite film about it is that the kids aren't in it barely at all and if they are they are being horribly mistreated (laughs) 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 there's a recurring joke throughout the film when every time any of the kids gets even a little bit awkward there's a scene where there's a van driving down a road (laughs) and this kid just gets thrown aside out of the van while it's still moving there's more to it so it's tied to paul rudd's character who's like supposed to be the swimming god Mm -hmm. and he doesn't pay attention because he's making out or he's writing his journal or whatever he says (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't pay attention so kids 
drown or they take the boat. <laughs> yeah, when the kid like, can I borrow the speedboat? <laughs> yeah, whatever, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, and then when the swimming buddy comes up because they're in pairs, is like, oh, what are we gonna do? Well, and then that's when they take the van and they say, we're going to a pizza party, <laughs> and they just throw the kid out from the van. Yeah, it's very funny, and they're constantly putting themselves in danger, and even Janine Gapaccio. <laughs> <laughs> Gaspacho. <laughs> yeah, even Janine Gaspacho isn't really bothered by any of it. She doesn't know about it. I think there's some scenes for sure in the film where she equally mistreats the kids as well as everyone else. <laughs> there's one throwaway line which is one of my favorite, like just half a sentence in the movie. At the very beginning, because this is the last day of camp. They, it's all the adults are together and. And Janine Garofalo says, wow, we survived this summer, except the bubonic plague, <laughs> the bubonic <laughs> plague outbreak. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> Even though this is a silly movie that exaggerates everything, time, age, everything, it still feels like summer camp. I've went to quite a lot of summer camps in my time. Yeah? Yeah, because my mom wanted to just just fuck off. Get rid of you yeah, for a little basically. bit. <laughs> And it all felt like this. It's like relationships constantly changing from day to day. There's always like fucking drama. People always very involved with each other. Days did feel like they go on forever and there's like so many things to do, you know. Yeah, well, the director, writer did base out a lot of it on their own experiences of summer camps. I've never been to a summer camp. I'm not sure there really is. Like, it's not really a thing that I remember growing mm. up with. And my, none of my friends at school went to camp. So yeah, I mean, like I say, he did base it on his time in camps growing up. So yeah. that's where he's pulled like a lot of genuine stories. And then like you say, he's exaggerated them to... Yeah, but it's still, or to the core, it feels like it's real. It's just how you remember these things. It also probably helped that they fun fact alert they actually stayed in the camp for yeah. the whole filming i've heard that yeah yeah that probably helped like chemistry and relationships yeah <laughs> right so my problem with the film now is the appropriate time i feel like everything was done <laughs> <laughs> that's my problem with the film <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I think. that's what i think of your film i puke your movie Everything in the film was taken to this absurd thing, but it just, it never felt like it was quite enough. It felt like halfway between an actual film about camp and Airplane. Yeah. The film Airplane. You, where, you think it should have been more ridiculous? Yeah. There's two scenes in the film that I think were the best, the absolute best scenes in the film. One is when Janine... <laughs> G. She goes to town because she wants to buy a dress or something to make herself look nice. Oh, yeah. And they just go on this criminal spree. <laughs> they start off like, oh my god, let's get some beers. And then they start doing drugs and then they yeah. mug an old lady and then they end up in a crack yeah. house. Meanwhile, all this like happy-go-lucky montage song. Yeah, yeah. For me, that's where the movie transitions from like a generic kind of boner comedy into like absurdist comedy. Yeah. I feel like you needed more of yeah. that. There's that that's absurd and it's really funny and just is really out there. And the next one I liked was the baseball scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that little scene. Yeah, the little scene with the baseball. So one of the camp people, I can't remember where, is it Afro guy? 
No, it's Cooper. Oh, is it Cooper? Cooper and yeah. JJ. Cooper is standing like with a team of baseball women. At no point in the film before that has baseball come up at all. And he's like, right, guys, we're going to win this one. We may have come from the bottom of the league, but now it's the top. What are we going to do? We're going to be losing most of the game. And in the final hit of the game, we're going to come back and we're going to win it for the team. And then he asks everyone, what do you want to do? And they're like, um, I'm not really sure. Seems a bit trite. <laughs> Seems like it's been done before, to be honest. I don't feel the need to do it again. And then the away team's bus <laughs> pulls up and he goes over and comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, they agree. It's too much. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's the kind of like airplane mm. humor that I really enjoy and that it needed more of. There's another bit as well when Elizabeth Banks is trying to kiss Paul Rudd <laughs> and she's got barbecue sauce all over her face. <laughs> you know, more stuff like that. Mm. And I think it took too many breaks to kind of tell you the plot of especially bits you already knew. I think I disagree with that. Yeah. A lot of the jokes are very subtle. There's always a joke on screen. There's always something going on. Or the background or the foreground or with the music with the pottery crash. I don't know, things like... Have you noticed that when they come back from the going out of town montage, Cooper is like, okay, see you later. And they just run up to like a bunk. And yeah, they just why stand do they there. stand against the wall? I didn't understand that. <laughs> because it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. That's why. <laughs> oh, I thought there was like some meaning to that. Nope. <laughs> just lots of little things like that. I remember from when they come back from camp is someone asked them, oh, how was town? And they're like, oh, you know, normal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I think there's a lot. I don't think it's very plotty. And even when it kind of tells you it's plot, it's uh, full of jokes. This is why I love this movie, because it's like a joke a second throws everything at you. It doesn't go as quite as absurd as Airplane or uh, my favorite, Top Secret. Um, hot Shots. Hot Shots. It doesn't go quite there, but there's a lot of little things in there. And it does try to throw everything at you. This is why I wanted to talk about, like... The Office doesn't work for me. No, me neither. Either the US or the UK one. Because it's like 100% cringe comedy. But when there's a lot of variety, that really works for me. Mm -hmm. And this is like, there's so many kinds of jokes. It's really amazing to me. Okay, maybe on like a second or third watch, I would get it. I'm not going to watch it a second <laughs> or a third time. but That's too bad. Yeah. I might watch the spin-offs. Yeah. Although if you don't like kids, you might not like those. Because they give the kids more. Oh. Yeah, they have to give everyone more because it's longer. But, yeah, they're not bad. Okay, what a shining review that is for the... <laughs> no, no, the series is you good. You should watch them, but yeah. The series is good, the kids are not bad. The film ends on a talent show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I remember something from this movie, I chuckle. A talent show directed by... Oh, we forgot a subplot. Leslie Nope is directing a talent show. Yeah. I thought that was a longer subplot. I was actually remembering the series. <laughs> really? Yeah, because in that, that gets expanded a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's trying to get these kids to do this really serious theatre show. Mm -mm. And I can't actually remember. Does it show the theatre show? In yeah, the... it's... So, okay. This is where we can get into the Jewish thing, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone listening just tensed up a little bit to see what this... <laughs> One of the running jokes are in this that everyone's Jewish. 
Okay. I find it funny, and I don't know why. <laughs> and I don't know why they thought it would be funny. By the end of the movie, Jenny and Gruffalo... She makes an announcement that some kids going home early, so they need to pick up their shit. And she starts improvising names. My favorite bit is she clearly just been shoved in front of the camera. It's like, say Jewish names. Amanda Klein, Jessica Azaria, Ira Stevenberg. Saul Zimmerstein. Uh, David. Ben- Actually, I read a thing that said that almost none of what made it onto camera was improvised in any way. Uh, surely this was. I mean, it, it, it's just improvised. It is. <laughs> it is. You just see it on her. She's struggling after the first name. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that good acting? Couldn't that just be good acting? But why would she do that then? Why would she act like she's improvising? Um, <laughs> you know? Because I think that's the joke. So there's that. And then later on at the theatre show, they're doing what you said is their plays, the Day by Day song, which is a very Christian song. Mm-hmm. And then they go day by day and everyone's like singing along and everything. And at the end, a huge like Christian cross illuminates in the background. And everyone's like, boo, <laughs> boo. <laughs> by the end, everyone's like last name is like Klein and Cooperberg. They never say their full name except at the end. It's pretty funny. It is that pretty funny. That scene where she's standing in front of everyone just naming names. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. My mother favorite Jewish moment. Um, <laughs> Jewish moments with Dan and Rick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Don't include my name in this. <laughs> One of my favorite moments is uh, when Cooper changes and he's like manly. <laughs> I guess at the real gate, he's not, but and he goes into Katie, the girl he loves, and gives her a gift, and then walks out. Katie runs out. Oh my god, I love you, Gerald Cooperberg. <laughs> and you never say his name before. And then at the very, very end, the love interest. I was like really disappointed when it worked. I, I really wanted the manly montage because he does the manly montage with the guy from Nam. Is it and a manly montage or is it just a bunch of nonsense? It's a nonsense manly montage. And then he walks up to her and I really wanted her to just be like, no, <laughs> what are you doing? But he doesn't do that. She runs out after him, gets with him, and then it just about redeems itself at the end where she's like, actually, this isn't going to work out. He's really hot. You're not yeah. particularly... At this point, she admits to being 16 years old. Yeah. Is, what? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the running jokes. In the, in the spin-off series, it's even bigger because everyone's like pushing 50 and they're still <laughs> trying to play 16-year-olds. Yeah, I like that moment. That's like a rare, honest moment, which no teenager would have. But that's how they actually feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all about sex and whatever. Good guys only. Maybe 20 years later, something will happen to you. (laughs) True story. I love getting back to the montage. That song was made by this movie. Okay. Cooper is alone and crying. Mm -hmm. And then Christopher Maloney comes up to him with his stupid face. (laughs) I love his face. He has the funniest dialogue delivery I've ever heard in my life. It's... (laughs) Coop. It isn't isn't about about a girl, girl, Coop. It It isn't? Well, it is. (laughs) But But see see if you can can follow me here. 
It is. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, just the way he says it, I don't even do it justice, but it's fucking hilarious. And then, yeah, they do a montage of fucking nonsense. It involves dancing, therapy, group therapy, in bathrobes. They do that at some point. Right. It involves being quick enough to take a jelly bean out of his hand. Yep. <laughs> it involves just the lowest budget <laughs> things that you can imagine yeah. of a montage. Um, uh, hiking. Yep. <laughs> And that makes him a thing. <laughs> yep, that makes him manly. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. If you can steal a jelly bean from another man, <laughs> then you are alpha man. Mm, true, true. Yeah, the film ends. Yeah. Uh, it does end a bit of a low note. Katie is saying, well, it's never going to happen. Yeah. And it just like ends. There is one more scene, though, at the end. post credit scene. Oh, the, the 10 years later. 10 years later, and they're still late. And he has something at 11. <laughs> <laughs> we should meet 10 years later. Oh, well, I've got something at 11. <laughs> this movie is so quotable for me. I remember when I first saw it, I quoted a lot of it. But again, it revived my vocabulary. Like, fuck my cock. And I don't care if you're bow-legged. And I don't care if you're bilingual. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's just nonsense. It's funny. It's entertaining. There's a few little bits that they could have cut out. If they'd have just gone balls to the wall absurd, then it would have made it. I think it is. I don't think it is. I think it is. I don't think it is in terms of like... I keep going back to Airplane, but it's the best example I have. Yeah. Where, you know... One of the ladies gets sick and he keeps pulling eggs out of her mouth. <laughs> or when the co-pilot falls ill and the co-pilot oh. comes up and is an inflatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that kind of like incredibly absurd. Special recommendation to the first day of camp series. And uh, what's the other one? Ten years later. The ten years later one. So they do get progressively a little bit worse. But I think they're worth checking out. Again, I remembered some jokes that were in that, and I thought it was in this. Everyone came back again. Paul Rudd was already Ant-Man. He didn't have to do it. Yep. Wow. Yeah. He was in there. Bradley Cooper, <laughs> he was in there for five minutes because he's too expensive for this shit now. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the season, he's DJ Ski Mask. <laughs> <laughs> One eternity later. What? <laughs> I was saying, no... PP times are poopy times, but all poopy times are PP times. That famous saying. Yeah. From Albert Einstein. <laughs> so, what are we watching next? <laughs> <laughs> so, we've done a terrible thing and we didn't record what we we're going to watch. So, can, we can you tell us what we're yeah. watching next? What do you mean? It's the conversation about Wet Hot Americans Hard just happened three oh, yeah. days ago. Oh, yeah. So. We're going back to the status quo. I am recommending the Netflix extravaganza, Extraction, starring Liam Hemsworth. It's not Liam Hemsworth, though, is it? It's one of the Hemsworths. How many Hemsworths are there? The guy who plays four. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. What's his name? It's a Hemsworth. Ebenezer <laughs> Hemsworth. Just Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, yeah. Anyway, Extraction. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a drama at the dentist's office or something? Yes, you've got it in one. <laughs> it's the most boring, uncreative title I've ever heard. 
Yeah, yeah, it is, <laughs> but it's you know the film speak for itself. <laughs> um, I don't. I think you could have a, a boring film title like just you know named after a road, for example, off the top of my head. Something like Mulholland Drive would would be quite a boring no, total that, title for a film. No, no, no. That's because that's that's. Uh, I told you in the episode. That's that's a whole. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. <laughs> so extraction. It is essentially a. What if John Wick was in the army? Somehow, wow. I believe. I don't remember much about the film, but it's all action all the time. Is it good action? Is it well shot? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah sure. Okay. Why not? Is it going to be as painful as a tooth being pulled out? I think, yeah. I think you're going to like it less than Jumanji. Whoa. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Thank you for listening to us. Thank, don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. Yeah. Um, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash I hate your movie. Yep. You will get bonus things such as a bonus episode every other week <laughs> yeah thank you for listening um i have been rick i've been uh here i mean dan <laughs> uh thank you uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time boy